Happy Tag Tuesday. Hello. Hello. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. You're listening to Two Average Girls. We're glad you're joining us on this Tuesday, the Tuesday after Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. How was it? It was great. Yeah. You what know, did we, you, did we, you do something fun? Or Well, we went out to the desert yeah. and um, only one child came out. I told her she's my favorite since sure. she's the one that showed up. Sure. Um, but I, it was fine. You know, mm-hmm. we all work together. Yeah. So when you work together... You don't necessarily need to see each other all the time. Plus, they the other two have children of their own. They have mother. They have wives. Wives. And yeah. I, you know, when you have small kids, you need to focus on those women mm-hmm. because they're doing the Lord's work. Absolutely. Literally, right? And so it was my daughter-in-law's first Mother's Day, Aww. and um. My other daughter-in-law has got two kids that yeah. are keeping her very busy. Sure, they're all over the place. I did not feel... I just wanted to do something that I would feel is relaxing. Mm-hmm. So we went out to the desert and we just did our thing. And Jacqueline came out and made a delicious dinner. And we yeah. had our neighbor over. So it was just... Oh. It was very quaint and nice and no big deal. But oh, my husband gave me <gasps> the best present I've ever... Wait, she's looking at my I'm hands. Looking at, I'm looking at all she's the jewelry. She's looking for jewelry. And? It's better than jewelry. Okay, wait, hold up. I know it's hard to imagine what that could be. Is it like a is it like a chocolate statue of himself? No. Okay. Better than that. This is sentimental. <gasps> what? He Aww. took all of our VHS Mm-mm. tapes and made it into digital format. Why are you trying to make me cry on I a mean, Tuesday? It is unbelievable. What? Yes. You know how well people who are under our age <laughs> won't understand this because they have had a cell phone that has acted as a camera it is a camera it's for great. so many years mm-hmm. right even it is very basic it was so much better than any disposable or canon mm-hmm. with a film all of that and i had three kids um jacqueline was born when mitchell was four. Oh my gosh so there was a lot going on in our life <laughs> and i just remember Doing my best, taking pictures. We have lots and lots of pictures, but even the quality of those pictures are pretty bad. Yeah, they are. Even the quality of these VHS Mm. into digital, it was because it was just, here's a whole bunch of tapes, you know, company, figure out how to make this just on there. It's not in any particular order, Mm -hmm. but you're able to, like, I was pregnant with Mitchell. So you can watch these and not have to try and find a VCR at an old blockbuster. No. No. (laughs) And rent it. Yes. That's amazing. It was amazing. It is amazing. I only listened and watched maybe a quarter of it. Sure. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And I got a little seasick, which is weird because there's... the camera, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't like the kind that make it so that it's not it's moving. Not, it's non-stabilizing. There was no non-stabilizing. <laughs> was. And when your uh, 12-year-old 
Oh. Child takes it and goes ding dong ditching in the neighborhood with his best friend. Oh. Oh. We were watching that. It was so fun. <laughs> I mean, we went from me being pregnant with Mitchell and our first house and our first dog mm. together to having all three kids moving to this house. I mean, it is if anybody's out there and you have any you're not sure what to do for somebody and yeah. you have the ability to do that even if it is taking old photos and scanning them yes and putting them on digital formats yes there's companies all around that will do that for you i'm telling you what i was so overwhelmed by the feeling of gratitude for this yeah that i sat there and i just first of all i could not believe that Can, i did it well that I managed to survive oh, oh, oh. what was going on. Because most of the videos were of our family at a, a function, like yeah. Christmas, Halloween. Sure. I had my youngest, my my half-brother, Tim, is in between Mitchell and Chance's age. And so uh, there was four kids in the mix pretty often. Yeah. And I took care of Timmy when he was little, when mm -hmm. his mom went back to work. So I had Mitchell, Chance, and Tim oh. all together, right, uh, for yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's Jacqueline. Yeah. And you bring it all together and you're like, I was dressed. I yeah. was functioning. <laughs> uh, my house was a little messy, but it was still not like, uh, I mean, I just, I kept going. I don't know how I survived that. Yeah. Because thinking do. about it now, I couldn't do it. No. Can I just tell you how impressed I am that your husband knew where to find the VHS tapes? Like he found them? We have, I knew where they were. I just didn't ever even give it a thought. Like I have boxes and boxes of pictures that I have actually taken these pictures and put them in manila envelopes yeah. by year. Yeah, that's good. You know, You're ahead I, of the I've game. got that far. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I've done nothing with them. Mm -hmm. And just to get to the next level of being organized about it and being able to share it with everybody, Jacqueline, for a long time, She's 27. So for the last 27 years, Jacqueline was convinced she was adopted. <gasps> Jack, Jack, why? What What were you doing as a mother? Apparently it's my fault. <laughs> well, the reason being is she didn't see a lot of pictures of herself yeah. at her birth, right? Well, yeah, right. Because we weren't, my husband was videoing it. Mm -mm. So wait, he didn't video the birth, but he oh. videoed me being in the hospital, right. you know, with the epidural after the epidural <laughs> and, you know, then she's born and they're cleaning her up right. and they, he takes a video of that. We didn't have a camera to take pictures of all of that. Yeah. He could only do one thing. First right. of all, the camera, just so everybody knows, it wouldn't fit in your pocket. Oh. It barely fits in a suitcase. No. It is humongous. It's the size of a stepladder. It's and literally you're on your shoulder. Your yeah. <laughs> and it's got a light that is separate <laughs> that you have to hold with the other hand. Not the light. The, oh, man, you guys were high tech. The light wow. is something. And you hear my husband say often, everyone hurry up. The battery's going to wear out. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it only oh. lasts for like 10 minutes, you know. This is a real slice of life. It really is. It's a, oh. it's a blast from the past. <laughs> the kids will totally appreciate it because oh. the quality isn't there. It's nothing like you have today. Yeah. So I'm just saying it was so. That's a so, wonderful gift. It was so beautiful. I it was it. so awesome just to be able to reminisce that way and see how I survived. Yeah, and, you did and it. Jacqueline is she was born. I even show it even shows when I named her. Okay, like, so now she's convinced that she's not adopted. She's not adopted. Okay, she good. saw herself go home from the hospital. She saw the whole situation. Okay, good. Good. She's convinced now that she's part of the family. Oh, and I'm so relieved. I didn't know that was an issue for her, but I, I'm glad we were able to cap it. I never it. took it for you know. I never took her seriously. <laughs> 
because I'm just like, please. Okay. Are listen. you kidding me? I mean, I'm a very upfront person. I would have told her a long time ago, you're adopted. <laughs> we found you on the doorstep. Whatever it was, we rescued you from the fire station. No, you came out of me. Okay. I can attest to that. <laughs> I'm going to give you a pro tip right now. And this goes for everybody because this company is worldwide. Okay. Get out your pencil and your notebook mm-hmm. and write this down. Scanmyphotos.com. Oh, nice. Scanmyphotos.com. These are the greatest people. I met them in 94. Wow. Um, they had a little a little outlet in Irvine where you'd take your photos in. Hi, I'd like to have 32 pictures developed, please. It was that kind of thing. But they um, grew it into, a, a, like I said, an international online photo scanning industry. And I recently just had all of my family photos done, not my personal, not my current what, how, what am I saying? Not my husband and I. We've had those done a long time. but um, And plus, most everything's digital anyway. But my my parents' side of the family, all of the pictures were just in a random box boxes. And as you know, Northern California burned to the ground yes. a couple of years ago. And my parents fled the house and left the photos. No. The, their house did not burn down, but across the street burned. That was a break point, was my parents' street. And my brothers and I were like, did you get the photos? And they were like, oh, no. They weren't real concerned about it. So the first chance I could, I went in there and I got the photos. And I sent them down to scan my photos. And they, they'll put them on online where you can download them. They will put them on a thumb drive where you can then do it wow. that way. They'll, do any, they'll put them on a CD or DVD for That's you. That's really cool. It's not inexpensive, but when you look at the manpower that – the, the hours of work that you would have to put in to scan your own photos, it is time consuming. Scanmyphotos.com. They do not underwrite this podcast, but I sure wish they would. It's quality. It's really, really good. And you can just look them up online and they will walk you through the steps of how to get them your photos. If you're in England and you're listening to this, there's a way for you to go get a box at the post office. You load up that box and you send it to them. Really? So now you can do it, Denise Cooper. I should. I You're totally going will. To. I really will. I cannot imagine. Even now you talk about it. Everything's digital. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out where all my photos are because mm-hmm. I've had to like archive them mm-hmm. on like a hard drive off site, right? Right. I, I don't have them all in one place. No, even now. That's the thing about pictures. Right. Even now, they're digital, yes. And there are some people, Sue Wilbur, I'm talking about you, who has her photos completely organized in one spot. Chelsea Christensen. Chelsea Christensen, yes. She does that too. See, there are some people that can manage it, so it is doable. I am not one of those people. Maybe Sue could help us. I don't know that she wants to. I think we're a big project for any human. It is a lot. <laughs> I mean, considering I have like 5,000 photos just on this phone alone. Is that all? I mean, it's it's incredible. Look on your phone right now. I want you to open your phone right now. Okay. Everybody at home who's listening to this in front of your podcasting device, look on your phone and go to your albums and tell me how many photos do you have living on your phone right now? Let's see. I have 12,366. Mm, sorry, honey. Yes. And I have 3,162 videos. You ready to hear my number? Oh, my gosh. 27,000. Oh, my gosh. 867 photos. Let me check those vids. I had to do away with some videos. I have 946 videos because they, they eat up so much storage space that all of a sudden I wasn't getting texts. Sure. And it's like, and then the phone told me, hey, dummy. You've got too many photos. Please do something with your life, you know? 
one thing that I did do, and this will help us, I can't believe we're talking techie and things like this, but I have an app on my phone called Cleanup. Mm. And the Cleanup app was, you know, one of those things that I saw on Instagram and I downloaded it and it's like $4.99 a month. Right. You'll never get rid of it. I'm your don't card to, will just continue I charging. I don't mind it because what it does <laughs> is it goes through all of your duplicates or oh, similars oh. and gets rid of it. You know how you take a picture of one person standing there yeah. and it clicks like 15 times right. and they all look exactly alike? Right. You don't need those. No. That helps you clean it up. I haven't done it for a while. I'll go through here and I guarantee you I'll get rid of three or 400 pictures. Oh, easy. No, I get that. That's a really good app, actually. It is. It's a really good app. And I'm sure there's others, but that's the whole idea that yeah. you can manage yourself so that while you're going through this, you don't have 27,000 27. pictures. I've almost got 28,000 pictures. Ooh. I mean, I need to. I need some help with my life. Yeah. <laughs> Starts with the pictures. <laughs> moves gets, Moves into the junk drawer in the kitchen. Goes into the laundry room where all those socks are that don't match. You know... <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to talk about socks specifically but there are some tell me if you're like this Denise are there some areas of your life where you're like I'm really killing it and then there's other areas where you're like how am I this out of control that's me every day with food <laughs> and I, food not eating it not being organized to make it oh. I have not cooked in so long oh can I give you another pro tip go to like blue apron hello fresh I don't even want to do that much work Okay, you've lost all the passion. I've literally like... Did you ever have the passion? I felt like I was... I had a purpose when I had children yeah, at home. Yeah, And it was like, I've got to feed them. I wanted to make sure they were thriving. And it was almost a challenge, right? Like we've talked about what happened to Sunday dinner. Yeah. I was all about making dinner every night. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted them home. I wanted them knowing that was part of their security. Right. Now it's like, eh. Hot and I are just... It's hard to cook for two people. It's so hard to cook for two it's people. It's hard to... We are one in one place and another, and then the food's there, and then yeah. I didn't bring it home, right. and then it spoils in the fridge. Yeah. It's just a lot. Yeah, I know. Food for two is very difficult. It's, it's kind of difficult. Yeah, so, all right. Well, I'm glad you had a good Mother's Day. That's the best Mother's Day present I I've know. ever heard. He knocked it out of the park. He did. He really did. Good husband. I know. I it love was it. so great. I love it. Well, there you go. So, today... We're not talking about Mother's Day. No. No, we're not talking about even something that's fun. But we are talking about something that's interesting anyway. Um, I have a quote for you. Let me read it to you. Let me bring it up here. I don't know why I closed closed my thing. Okay. Did you watch the movie E.T.? I did. Back in the day? I did. Have you seen it since? No, but I heard about the controversy oh, you did. surrounding this. Okay. But let, you Let's go ahead and parap- yeah, paraphrase that for okay, me. Okay, so Steven Spielberg is the mastermind behind E.T., okay? Um, he has spoken out against his own decision-making while participating in a masterclass at the Time 100 Summit and announced he regrets editing the 20th anniversary release of E.T., the extra extraterrestrial, okay? So E.T. came back came out in 1982. Um there was a scene in that in that movie in the 1982 version that we all saw i didn't remember this until i like read this because it's been years since i've seen et in et there is a scene of armed police chasing the young protagonists of the film okay so they're chasing them down the street right they're on bikes they're on bikes Mm -hmm. and the police have what he's in the front He's in the basket. He's in the basket. Like the cute little the alien. Cutest, He's the, the cutest, cutest alien. This is like iconic. You can picture yeah. this. No, everybody's seen it. Yes. Even if you know, if you didn't see it in the movie theater, you've seen it. Um, 
for the later release, he Steven Spielberg edited the guns out digitally and replaced the guns with walkie-talkies. The police officers had guns, which police officers tend to do. Yeah. Uh, one would think. If anyone's going to have a gun, I would assume it's a police officer. It should be them. Okay. So he had that edited out for the digital re-release. Okay. Then another 20 years later, from that decision, Spielberg has changed his mind, stating that his belief that films should be products of their own time and that attempting to erase the past will only lead to regret. He's saying that because he knows from what he speaks. Here's his quote in full. Let me read it to you. That was a mistake, he says, talking about the edit. I never should have done that. E.T. is a product of its era, 1982. Mm -hmm. No film should be revised based on the lenses we now are, either voluntarily or being forced to peer through. Mm. We are trying to picture what is proper through our current current lens. lens. Instead of what was happening in the 60s, the 70s, the 1800s. Back in the day... Even when we're putting up statues of Confederate, you know, people who Mm -hmm. we don't agree with any longer. No. I totally get. And maybe statues aren't a great example because you don't necessarily need a statue. But when we try to erase the past to resolve the future, it almost seems as if it is an oxymoron. It almost seems like you have to have the past so you can appreciate the what you have now and what you can look forward to in the future. Well, I think that's how we learn is understanding our past. Right. That's what I think. Continuing with his uh, quote, E.T. was a film that I was sensitive to the fact that the federal agents were approaching kids with firearms exposed and I thought I would change the guns into walkie-talkies. Years went by and I changed even my own views. I should never have messed with the archives of my own work. I don't recommend anyone do that. All our movies are a kind of signpost of where we were when we made them, what the world was like around us, and what the world was receiving when we got those stories out there. So I really, really regret having done that. Yes, Steven Spielberg, yes. It's so interesting because, especially Hollywood. Yes. They're trying to, and again, I I kind of go into a deep dive when I think about all of this stuff, but when we're talking about some of the things that happened... I mean, back in the 70s and 60s and 80s, things were different for women, Mm -hmm. for men, Mm -hmm. for people of color, for any minorities. It's not great. It's Mm -hmm. not good. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. Right. And it was based on the time. Whatever was made at that time was based on the time. Looking back at it now going, that's inappropriate. Yeah. Okay. It is inappropriate. That doesn't mean we should change it. Does it mean we shouldn't watch it? No. I don't think so. A few years back in um, probably 2019, I'm thinking, there was a big controversy at controversy at Chapman University in their Department of Film and Television. They have their own building, of course, the Film and Television Department does. And they have this beautiful, massive movie poster collection that was donated to them from Marion Knott of Knott's Berry Farm. Mm-hmm. She was a big collector of movie posters. So they have all these great posters just hanging throughout the halls of this building. One of those posters was a poster called uh, from the movie called the birth of a nation it's uh it's it was from i think 1915 and it was a silent movie so it was like early 1900s i'm not sure of the exact date but it was a silent movie and people have said it's a guidebook to how to be the kkk Mm. it's not great no so 
this poster was hanging off of a side hall in a little kind of alcove it was out of the way it's not a big poster it was a small poster it wasn't usual movie size um but someone noticed it and was like hey wait a minute should we really have this movie from this this poster from this horrible movie hanging in our halls aren't we better than this blah 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 so it became a huge controversy and there was back and forth among the students among the dean among uh, anybody who could possibly weigh in on this they had to make a decision as to what they were going to do with this poster. My suggestion, which nobody asked for, <laughs> my opinion, which no one cared about, was leave the poster up, make a plaque of some sort with a really great explanation as to what this movie was, what it meant at the time, and what it means for us now, and why we're leaving it up here. Not because we promote the KKK, it's just the opposite. We want to make sure that the KKK doesn't rise up again. And by saying, here's what once existed, I think that accomplishes that. Well, they took that poster down. Sure. Never to be seen or heard from again. Sure. I don't even know what happened to it. But that's that's what ended up, you know, winning the fight. That's their, they, hey, listen, that's their duty to do whatever they want to do. And it's not just Chapman University. It's any any place that has a challenge like that, which is there's a lot of, especially especially institutions of learning, especially universities it's very hard to sort of walk that line I think sometimes you know and this is not the direction we want to go in in this podcast but it brings up a podcast that I listened to on Joe Rogan and it was mm -hmm. talking about how there's a lot of censorship in basically in education in general yeah and true. the censorship can be anything from when the earth was first yeah is it evolution is it the big bang right like it, it, it they thought it was x amount of years old and now they're they've carbon yeah. figured it out that it's <laughs> not but the people who have gonna die on the cross on this you know people from all around the world are calling those people lunatics and they yeah. won't it just comes back to are we open enough to listen to what we need to hear yeah in order to possibly be wrong no I mean, again, again, like some of this, I feel like is we got to make sure people aren't hurt. Their mm -hmm. feelings aren't hurt, mm -hmm. that people aren't made to feel uncomfortable. Like you said, you leave that picture up. And I don't know about the KKK. It kind of goes back to the, you know, the censorship in just freedom of speech on Twitter. You know, people are anywhere on social media when we're talking about you should be free to do whatever. That means even... A white supremacist has yeah. his own freedom to speak. Mm -hmm. You get the good with the bad. Mm -hmm. You have to have that. I feel like you have to have this yin and this yang or right. this this darkness and light mm -hmm. in order to see the real truth. No, I think you're right. I think where it becomes a problem is an educational institution like that that actually has to make a decision. It's not just one person saying, this is my right to freedom of speech. It's like, well, wait a minute. We're representing x amount of people at this place how do we sort of where do we draw that line i guess the question to me would be what is offensive because what's right. offensive to me could be non-offensive to somebody else i also think that a great opportunity is sometimes missed when you take things like that down to allow people to go up and go no this guy you know or right. whatever this this movie this person this scene or whatever and then have an intelligent conversation maybe even not an intelligent just have a conversation with someone or go home and look it up like learn more about well what is this particular movie i'm just using the movie as an example 
what is that movie? I've never heard of that. It's a silent movie from 1915. And then look at what was happening in that movie and go, ew, no. I think the unfortunate part is people aren't that inquisitive. Maybe they want it handed to them. Is that it? I I think people are very emotional Mm. when it comes to everything. And I think that, and I also think that education, places of education are really about money. Oh, no, they are. We we want to make sure that they're, you know, educating our youth or educating people for a higher higher power or whatever. But the reality is it's a huge conglomerate of money makers. Absolutely. And they're going to do whatever makes them look the best. Mm-hmm. And it's the least controversial when it comes to these kinds of things. And like you said, I think that you miss an opportunity mm-hmm. for teaching. For teaching. You're in an institution of teaching. Why are you trying not to teach? Why are you trying to make it easy for people yeah. to feel uncomfortable? Nobody wants to make anybody feel uncomfortable anymore. That's the thing. Isn't that what college is? Isn't Being that what education even is? Yeah, getting uncomfortable. I mean, even even in, in elementary school, sometimes you have yeah. to be uncomfortable. You got to. With learning because you don't know everything. No, you don't. That's why you're in school. That's what they tell me. Uh, let me just go on with this article. It's very interesting. Following his remarks, the editor uh, of the event for the Time 100 brought up recent news regarding the works of Roald Dahl. Do you know that author? No. James and the Giant Peach, oh. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate oh, yeah. Factory, mm-hmm. um, whose early works are now being censored due to what they dis- due to what is deemed offensive language and republished to be considered more inclusive by the standards of today, Mm. okay? Spielberg, in keeping with the views on his own work, found himself in complete opposition to the decision. No one, this is a quote, no one should ever attempt to take the chocolate out of Willy Wonka, (laughs) ever. What was controversial about that? Well, let me just continue on. I don't know that it says specifically about what's controversial about Willy Wonka. It might've been the four grandparents sleeping in the same bed. Charlie Bucket's grandparents were all remember that scene they're all sleeping in the same bed that's that's offensive to me what are you doing I can tell you what I can tell you I'm I just let my fingers do the google <laughs> yes it's what, a magic thing what did it say it said due is to this the about con- Willy Wonka it is okay because I'm like it's chocolate yeah due to the controversy of its racist portrayal of the Oompa Loompas what race were the Oompa Loompas the author reimagined them in the 1973 edition as having golden brown hair and rosy white skin. Despite the change in description, the Oompa Loompas' explorative origin remains. Wonka smuggled them in from a tribe to work oh. in his factory. Oh, is that in the book? Is that true? Okay, I didn't know. I've never read the book. I just I just Googled what is controversy about Willy Wonka. And that's what it came up with. That's what they came up with. Now, again... Oh. Again, if you're talking about slaves, yeah. now when I watched that, mm-hmm. I never, I thought the Oompa Loompas were working together with Willy Wonka. I thought it was a whole symbiotic kind of situation. Well, they're not talking about the movie. They're talking about the book. That's Maybe. when they changed. Yeah. The, so in the book version, they look like possibly kidnapped slaves. And then they softened it for a re-release in the 70s. Well, in the 70s, this is what you can look at. The Oompa Loompas have got kind of orange skin. Yeah, they're weird looking with white eyebrows and green hair. Yeah. Yeah, they're weird looking. So So you don't know what race they are. Okay, gotcha. Because they're Oompa Loompas. They're Mm -hmm. their own race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Solve that problem. Solve that problem, which is is better, I guess. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Are we sticking to the truth of the art? 
or are we pandering? Are we pandering? I don't know. I don't know. It's stuff like that. I can't, I don't have an opinion on. I'm like, well, I mean, do we want to show them as captured slaves who are now working for Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka, who's a weirdo? He's a weirdo. That whole thing, if anything is controversial, he's a little odd. <laughs> if anything should be looked at. Has anyone looked into Willy Wonka and why he's so interested in having Oompa Loompas there at the house? I don't know. And young kids come through the factory with a golden ticket. I mean, it's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, um, uh, just continuing on in, with this article, um, a new modern streak of extremism is currently in force across the U.S. and the rest of the world as historical works of fact and fiction are now being censored or republished in order to prevent offense being taken. This extends beyond books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and into more pivotal issues like books and other media about or by LGBTQ plus persons or people of color who have been targeted by what this article is calling right-wing activists for nonsensical fears of harming young people with progressive mindsets. Now, I don't know about all of that. I just wanted to read this article because it had it had Spielberg's quote, you know, to, all together. And most places I looked, it was just like a word or a line here and there and not the entire thing. So it really, this really summed up what Steven Spielberg was talking about and his regrets for editing his work, which I I can't tell you. You know, Steven Spielberg... He's first of all, he's a great movie maker. There's just no mm-hmm. one better. Super liberal. Yes. I mean, most of Hollywood is, but Steven Spielberg is very, very liberal. But you cannot look at that and go, oh, well, he's liberal. When you look at what he's done with his ability to draw attention, to produce things, to get information out there, it that's the problem that I'm having is it doesn't matter whether someone's liberal or conservative it doesn't make any difference look at the work that he's doing have you been to amsterdam no okay the work he did with the anne frank house so looking at steven spielberg's work just in general he's also the founder of the shoah foundation it's now called the usc shoah foundation Mm. he founded it in 1994 and just to give you a quick description of what it is it's the institute for visual history and education it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to making audiovisual interviews with survivors and witnesses of the Holocaust, which in Hebrew is called Shoah, mm-hmm. as well as other genocides. It was established by Spielberg in 1994, a year after completing Schindler's List. And they partnered in 2006 with USC, the University of Southern California, and they renamed it the USC Shoah Foundation. So it does drive me a little crazy when it's like, because I find myself doing that. Like, well, here's this super liberal Hollywood type, and even he's against censorship. It's like, no, here's an artist who doesn't want his work messed with. He messed with it himself and immediately regretted it. And now is like, no, 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 let's right the wrong. I'm going to come out. He's got the juice to be able to say, go ahead and cancel me. No one's canceling. No one's canceling Steven Spielberg. No, no one's but canceling. But he's him. saying, you know, here's what we're doing. We're not going to rewrite history anymore. Well, Stop it. Well, I think it. that a lot of people who would have the the t- the title liberal, yeah. At least in my opinion from the past have come out with realizing that when you start censoring at all, yeah. It's a problem. We as citizens of a free nation have to take responsibility. Like you can't yell fire in, right. a, in a public place. And that's place. the point, yeah. You can't do things, you can, 
but you'll have consequences yes, if you, you do. Yeah. It can't be these nuances on social media when mm-hmm. somebody says something against the COVID vaccine <laughs> and we stop allowing that person to post. Right. You know, like yeah. it can't be that. It cannot be those simple things. Yeah, it gets extreme in its simplicity. It, it gets extreme real quick yeah. because who's the judge and the jury here? Right, well... This is okay. This is a little bit off topic, but it's actually not at all. I was in Northern California this last week and I had the, just the greatest time of my life and was able to call a carpet cleaning company to come clean some carpet uh, for my mom at her house. And um, sounds like a great time. Carpet cleaning is my passion. So th- I called the first company in the phone book I'm not going to call them out because now looking back I'm like I don't know what these people actually stand for out comes this darling young man and he's on his own hooks everything up starts cleaning the carpet he's about two-thirds of the way done and in walks another gentleman that I hadn't seen before and I was like oh hello and he goes hi I'm the number two guy he doesn't own the place I spoke with the owner earlier he goes I'm the number two guy and my boss wanted me to come out here to help young Bobby here finish it up and then um because we kind of have like a high maintenance customer that we're going to next and there needs to be two of us there and I'm like oh okay got you no no problem totally understand he goes so I'm gonna help him finish up and then we're gonna we'll be gone um he was I'll just be honest he was an older guy probably late 60s um looked a little rough just even walking through the door there was um some interesting facial hair and <laughs> large earrings that may have been too big for a man his age oh. it was interesting mm-hmm. um not I think any big earrings for any man is a little interesting it was odd and um face looked a little like he'd he'd lived he'd done some living okay okay that's fine been around been around i asked him where he parked because i was like I didn't see you pull up. That's why I was so shocked when you, you know, walked in the door. And he goes, oh, I parked down there. It was behind a bush out in the cul-de-sac. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even see your car. And he's like, you don't think I'd try hitchhiking out here? No one would pick me up looking like this. So he knew what he looked like, right? So then we, he was perfectly behaved. Everything was fine. He had a swastika tattoo. Oh. On his arm. Mm. Where you could see it. It wasn't like a covered up, like if I wear a t-shirt, it's going to get covered up, whatever. And I pointed that out to my sister-in-law who was there with me at, when he left the room. I whipped around. I go, he's got a swastika tattoo on You know, like I was trying to like not, I was trying to loud whisper, but just, you know, and she was like, what? He Does he? And I'm like, yes, look at his left arm. He comes back out. Sure enough. She was like, oh no. What do you think about that? I think he has the right to have that. Exactly. I agree. I think that if, you know, who knows how that ended up, but, you know. Oh, I can tell you how it ended up because I spoke with my brother Mm -hmm. and I said, here's what just happened. And he goes, ah, so he did time and he was part of the white supremacist game. That's what I figured happened. And I said, well, hold up though. This wasn't a tattoo though that he got in prison. This was a beautifully done, good looking tattoo, aside from the fact that it was a freaking swastika. And he's like, well, okay, but... Once you're sort of in that community of people, that's who you are. And he said, and I agree, you now know everything about that guy's life that you need to know. That's it. So for me as an employer, mm-hmm. I would never allow one of my my people that work for me to have that tattoo visible. Unless I- you as the owner are also a white supremacist. Unless I as an owner. <laughs> Which is what, get, that I, it was later that night that I went, hold up. 
I started thinking about the name of the company that I used. Oh. And I went, oh. So okay. you think it's like a theme. Yep. I think they're all in it sort of together. Uh, I think no. the owner, and this is his number two guy. This is number two. He is out seeing the people doing the work. He's number two. I was going to say, maybe he doesn't know that he's allowing it. Maybe he's supposed to have this long sleeve and it's supposed to be covering it and he's rolling it up because it's a hot day. No, then you have to wear a Band-Aid or something I over agree. it. To, so I would that never allow it. It would be a deal breaker for hiring you. You are not allowed to do that. <laughs> I know, in but California. I, 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 understand I understand too. Understand. I would do the same thing. I wouldn't hire him. I mean, I'd find I, any other reason, but I wouldn't hire him. But also, if you look at it this way, okay. So let's say he just got sprung from the big house. He's out. He's got to have a job. These guys, they, they have to have jobs. Sure. We've employed people who've just gotten out of prison, and, and it's it works out. The, you employ the ones that you know are going to work, right? So he has to have a job. This is going to be his job. He's doing a great job. He took my payment. He had the little card and the little thing. He's obviously a trusted member of this company. But I think you can say, you can come work for me, Big Tim, or whatever his name was. Um, but that has to be covered up when you're out meeting with the public. And you're out meeting with the public every single day. You can require that as, a, as an would. employer. I would. But to say, I can't hire you because you have a swastika, you can't do that in the no. state of California? No. There's no way you could do that, I'm sure. There's, you cannot give reasons that you're not going to hire somebody pretty much. There's no reason to... There's some kind of discrimination. Okay. So basically, 98-pound uh, Jenny over here was better qualified for the job of carpet cleaning than 200-pound <laughs> Big Tim. Right. Oh, painful. I, I mean, I'm not a, you know... a a labor law no. <laughs> expert. Oh. I just know that if if it doesn't seem like you could win it in court, you shouldn't do it in yeah, California because California is just so crazy. I wouldn't, I don't think I, I mean, I'm just talking podcast. I don't think I would tell ever tell anyone why I didn't hire them it was no. because they have a swastika you tattoo. would never no. I, and again I would think that people would be smart enough to cover that swastika up when they came in for a job interview well one would think but this guy was loud and proud and I'm telling you it was placed in a place that is not going to get covered up in Redding California when it's 120 degrees out it's not getting covered up yeah that's that's a commitment mm -hmm. that means he's living that life probably he's living the life that's hard. interesting it's hard again it makes me uncomfortable yeah it doesn't I don't like it. No. I don't want it anywhere near me. Mm -hmm. I don't have tolerance for it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be friends with that person. Oh, no. But I also, it's his right. It is his right. And okay, bless him. That, But also you run the risk of never getting hired, at never having your company hired again because you know that that's the guy that's probably going to come out. I'm never going to hire that company again. No. Sorry, they did a great job on the carpet. Well, they really did. And That's really what matters. <laughs> but, and they were inexpensive. However, I would never hire them again. I know. So, I, sorry. I agree. Sorry, I friend. Agree. Yeah. No. It's hard. It's not, it's not cool. So, we've gone on quite a bit, sort of off topic, but not really. What I really wanted to talk about after that Steven Spielberg quote, which is the one I wanted to get to, was um, book banning. And I know it sounds like, what are we dealing with? You know, World <laughs> War II Germany? No, we don't do that. But there is a, there's a book banning, not a book banning, a book ban awareness week, right? When is that? So Ban Book Week started basically in 1982. Okay. Okay. Mm. And um, it, has ra it has rallied librarians, booksellers, authors, publishers, teachers, and readers of all types to celebrate and defend the freedom to read now, 
that sounded simple to me. I'm yeah. like, what does that mean? What are we Why? doing? Are we not? We don't have the freedom to read? Well, that's not. It seems simple, but it but it's not. And what, what got me on this is I was reading. I follow or belong to. I get the emails from an advocacy group called PEN America. P-E-N. PEN America. I would encourage anyone to just log on to PEN America and see what they are doing and what they stand for. Um what they do is they champion the freedom to write, recognize the power of the word to transform the world, and their mission is to unite writers and their allies to celebrate creative expression and defend the liberties that make it possible. They do a lot of advocacy work with uh, writing, with writers, and they talk about banned, there's an article that they have posted on their website, pen.org, called Banned in the USA, the Growing Movement to Censor Books in Schools. That's what caught my attention because mm-hmm. of all places, I think public schools is where all books should be available, right? I don't know. No. <laughs> that's the question. I mean, that's the question we're asking here today. Mm-hmm. As mothers, grandmothers, as I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at the list of banned books. Mm-hmm. And again depending on its appropriateness, depending on how the teacher is approaching it, Mm -hmm. depending on what type of conversation we're having, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Okay, what about this book? The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. You want to ban that? No. I don't either. But there are... How about this? This book is gay. Well, what's it about? There's a long-running joke that after coming out as a lesbian, gay, or bisexual, transgender, or intersect person you should receive a membership card an instruction manual this is not the instruction manual you're welcome inside is the revised and updated edition you will find answers to all the questions you've ever wanted to ask from sex to politics hooking up stereotypes Mm. coming out and more interesting so that is one of the for this last year that is one of the top censored books okay now again what what are we talking are they not going to have it in public libraries uh, well, public library is different than public school. So I don't know. It, it well, also depends on the state. It depends on the school district. This was public library. This is in the city of San Diego, the public library, and it was right to read day and banned books. And when you start scrolling through it, there's the top 13 most challenged books of 2022. And that was one of them. Okay. Public library, though, anyone can wander in there and check out a book, adults and minors alike. Sure. You're in the seventh grade at your public library there's some books that you maybe don't want as available are you going to say they can't have them i don't know what i'm going to say i'm just saying that there is there is a difference in the availability of the book yes uh when you start looking at things well, like is there though there isn't in a library i can as a fifth grader can go in there and check that book out right but that's a public library right okay a public school library is going to be different sure sure so there might be some books that aren't available in the public school library but are at your public library and if you really want to go check that out you will have the opportunity to do that you just have to get your mom to take you over there to the library sure the ones that make me crazy though are the ones that are the classics that they're trying to ban like the great gatsby because of language and sexual reference Mm. there's i mean this this is this isn't something that happened in the 60s. This is something that's happening now. Catcher in the Rye. Tons of people would, not tons, but there's a long, long list of 
uh, high schools, high schools that want that book banned. High really? schools. Can you imagine? No. Yeah. Yeah. Catcher in the Rye. Grapes of Wrath. What's wrong with Grapes of Wrath? Um, vulgar words. Uh, I mean, that's that's part of it. I'm just doing a quick skim, but all kinds of profanity, um, formal complaints that have happened in North Carolina regarding, you know, having that available in a public school there in North Carolina in one of the districts. They were like, mm. it's too vulgar. It's too much. There's too many bad words. Um, vain and profane manners along with inappropriate sexual reference. This was also in South Carolina. They're, they're uptight there in South Carolina, aren't they? I mean, there's it's stuff like that that you're like, you don't think your kid's not hearing this every day on the playground, your vulgar words? I don't know. I, I Again, I think that where people start losing their minds a bit is that this is a bigger picture thing for mm -hmm. them. I mm -hmm. don't think it's just about that book. I think it's about the inability to be able to control what their kids are seeing and doing. But I have a question for you because I was thinking about this. Yeah, what? When you're looking at some of the statistics, who's initiating the challenges, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now this is in public, th this is the public library, li library, that's one of the <laughs> things I hate when people say that, the public <laughs> library. <laughs> it's one of the most um, top misspoken mis words. Yeah, library. Library. Come on, people. <laughs> library. <laughs> Who initiates this challenge? This was on the public library's Mm -hmm. Did I say library? You, you again? did. It's okay. You can you can do it. You can, can handle it. You got to take this out. <laughs> library. Um, who initiates the challenge? Thirty nine percent of parents are initiating the challenge. Okay. Uh, Twenty four are patrons. Okay. So this is public. This library. public library. Okay. Okay. Uh, Eighteen percent are the board or administrators. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it could be school board. It could mm. be city council. City councilman. Mm. Right. Um. Well, actually, 10% are politicians or religious groups. Okay. Okay. 6% okay. uh, are libra librarians and teachers and or teachers. Oh, that's interesting. 6%. That's interesting. I would love to speak to a librarian and ask them why they would want a specific book removed. Because I'll bet it's something like, because we get groups of 14-year-olds coming in here, taking that book, going into a corner, and all huddling around this stupid book and reading. Remember when Judy Bloom was so popular oh and we were gosh. reading that? Because that was like controversial. Wifey. Mm -hmm. That was that mm -hmm. was unbelievably raunchy. And mm -hmm. now it's like, are you kidding? Yeah, it's like a joke. It's a joke. 2% yeah. elected officials. Okay. So I don't know what the difference between politic po oh, political and religious groups so I guess it's political and religious groups were 10%. Elected officials were 2%. Okay. And 1% were students. So the students are like, we just want to read something. They don't care. We don't care. They want it all. They, they do. I know that's part of the thing. And again, I think when you say you can't read something, what do you want to do? You want to read it immediately. You want to read it immediately. And I, a lot of these banned books, which, you know, when I'm reading through these banned books list, I, I find it interesting and it speaks to what we're dealing with in society. Mm -hmm. Gender queer is number one. Mm -hmm. okay that's All a bo book that's banned that's the title of a it's book one of the most controversial it had a number of challenges 151 challenges right in the city of san diego mm -hmm. all boys aren't blue okay okay that's number two it had 85 okay the bluest eye again okay. this is an these are that's an old, old book some of these are old anyway mm -hmm. these are not new books mm -hmm. 73 flamer 
62, Looking for Alaska, also another old, old book, mm-hmm. 55 Challenges, mm-hmm. The Perks of Being a wall- Wallflower. That was a movie. I We read this book when we were young. Yeah. It is 55 Challenges. Again, I don't know where the challenges are coming from other yeah. than if you have your child in school, and I've heard parents going to school boards and protesting mm-hmm. and doing all of these things, and I understand their uh, being uncomfortable with certain things yes especially if it's being handled in a way that is inappropriate at least in your belief system mm-hmm. and that's where it's a little bit tricky yeah it does get tricky but also you have to be able to say to your kid you're not going to check that book out from the library and here's why or i think that's the difference but, i think the book should be available but what about it at a school when it's it's they're insisting on them reading it as a class that's a whole different but it, animal it's part of this in the public school system well I, i'm just not prepared to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> well just think about it as a parent that you were yes if you're if your son or daughter came to um wanting to be watch watch this there's movies that they'll show sure there are there's books that they want them to read and you've read it and you don't think it aligns with your political views or your social views or your religious views mm-hmm. what do you do i don't know there's because there's there's books i don't know i don't know there's books like that all the time when i was in seventh grade mr woodruff was my teacher dave woodruff okay. what's up may he rest in peace okay. he um was the only thing i could compare him to is maybe a montessori teacher there was no lesson plan Oh. We learned how to play bridge. Oh. We learned how to play chess. Oh, I've never played chess. I wish I would have gone to his class. I, I mean, it was outrageous what he was doing. We read a like a book a week. This is where I read um I first was exposed to Helter Skelter? No. No, that was much <laughs> earlier in my life. Thanks, bro. No, this is of mice and men. Seventh oh. grade. We're reading of mice and men. We read To Kill a Mockingbird. We read all the classics and we would read them out loud in class, going around the room. Everyone takes a turn and reads a paragraph. So there were there was one boy in our class, and I can't remember his name, not that I'd say it, who was really religious in sort of a culty way. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of didn't understand what was going on. And he wasn't allowed to read any of those books but he stayed in the room which is (laughs) he sat there and listened but he wasn't allowed to read them out loud with everybody else he just sat there and supposedly like was reading magazines or whatever his mother didn't want him to hear it or be part of it i guess but he was listening to the whole thing right and and mr woodruff very frankly said at the top of each book there's swear words in this book if you don't want to say those swear words don't if you just want to say, you know, replace it with an SH or whatever, right. you can go ahead and do that. If you want to say the swear word, you can go ahead and do that. Can you imagine that in seventh grade now? He was absolutely next level as far as just progressive thinking and all of the stuff. He got fired the next year, but... He did? He Oh, they found out what he did because none of us could pass a test. <laughs> like, But you love books. I love books, but they come around with that stupid star testing at the end of seventh grade. Yeah, I know. And... I think we all scored below the minimum. But you as a person, and I bet you a lot of the kids in your class found the, a love of books. Absolutely. Because of his approach to this. I'm still friends. We had a group of like six girls. It was a very small school. There was probably only 18 people in the class, maybe 20 people in the class. And my group of girlfriends, there were six of us. And I know for a fact, I can tell you right now, every single one of them still loves to read. See. Again, loves it. And part of this to me 
is we have got to give, well, first of all, we have to give kids more credit than than we give them to it. And we've talked about this before that we can't look at the way they're looking at it through our eyes. Right. Like when we were talking about cartoons or children's, you know, videos and things that we think are so ridiculous. Pee Wee Herman. Right. Barney and all of these things, you know, (laughs) Blippi. That's like the newest thing, you know, (laughs) all of those things don't appeal to us, but they appeal to a three and five year old. Right. right? Again, what would offend me might not even phase, especially now, a 13 year old. No. Because again, we can't hide kids. And I'm not saying put them out there in the middle of controversy but it's almost like tearing down a statue or not putting up that big picture Mm -hmm. of the kkk Mm -hmm. you have lost the opportunity to have a conversation yeah that's true. you've lost the learning ability you've lost the the a place where you can go with your kids and have that conversation yeah now if you're not ready for those conversations or you're not into doing that Maybe. I understand. No, it. I mean that's very that's a very reasonable point. So let me ask you about this. In 2020, the city of Burbank, mm-hmm. which is not far from us, nope. it's north by about 20 miles. They have banned five book titles. Really? Would you like to hear them? I do. And okay. when did they ban these? 2020. Wow. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Oh. The K by Theodore Taylor. Roll of Thunder, Hear Me Cry by Mildred D. Taylor and of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Okay, now here's the reason. This is the public library. No, this is the public school district. The Burbank Unified School District objected to the inclusion of these books in their school's curriculum. So maybe they're available in the library, but they're saying curriculum-wise, they're not going to be reading them out loud in Mr. Woodruff's seventh grade class. Hmm. So they've been banned from the curriculum because according to the, um, the school district, they said that these titles quote, cast black people in negative, hopeless, and secondary roles, and all but one were written from the lens of a white author. So what do you what do you think about that? Again, we go back to when was it written? Mm-hmm. What was going on at the time? Mm-hmm. I don't think you can ban these kind of things for those reasons. The same year Burbank Unified made its decision to challenge the use of the five books, Pennsylvania's Central York School District banned eight times the number of books and educational materials banned by the California district, including Brad Metzler's I Am Rosa Parks Hmm. and James Baldwin Center documentary I Am Not Your Negro, directed by Raoul Peck. So I, and I'm being naive and maybe ignorant mm-hmm. is a better word. Are, are people banning them because they don't like the depiction of African-Americans mm-hmm. or are African, and then those are African-Americans that are doing that? Or is it because I don't understand, are, we're, are we trying to rewrite history or not bring it to people's attention because we're afraid they will act out and then become racist? Well, that's, I guess that's the question is, why like what is going to be the end result of someone reading huckleberry finn according to the burbank unified school district it says that these books cast black people in a negative hopeless and secondary role so then as as a reader of that am i just automatically going to go treat the next black person i meet in that way of course not but but also we have to remember when it was written that's that's right huck finn it's ancient i mean he's painting 
he's painting the fence fence and <laughs> you know making everybody think it's fun yeah i mean he's going fishing he's wearing overalls with no shoes he's mm-hmm. not educated i mean there's so many things about that that are not realistically pertinent to today's exactly. society anyway mm-hmm. that it i find it interesting that and again i'm not black so maybe it would be offensive to me i don't know I, I think that we are looking for offenses where they might not always be. That's the thing is I don't know if that's if that's a real thing or if we're just making that up. There is a very famous quote by Ernest Hemingway, a, another white man, I <laughs> might add. Uh, he does happen. He did happen to be white. All of modern American literature comes from one book and one book only by Mark Twain. It's called Huckleberry Finn. Oh. That's from that's from Hemingway saying that all American literature comes from that single book. I don't know that that's necessarily true in my mind as someone who has an English degree I could say there's lots of other places that we have culled our American literature but that is certainly a standout it is definitely a top five of how did we get to where we're at the writing of Mark Twain and Huckleberry Finn it's it's inspired it's amazing so I know that many a couple years ago like in 2020 2021 when all of this was kind of happening I mean 2020 seems to be the time when People were sitting at home. Yeah, getting upset. With a lot of problems in their mind. <laughs> yeah. And it started with the coronavirus and it just kept going out from yeah, there, right? Yeah. We had all kinds of things going on. And again, I think that speaks to what we have to look at what was going on at the time. At the time, yeah. That this was happening. But Dr. Right. Seuss Aww. became very controversial, right? Yeah, he did. Why? I don't know. Does, do you have an explanation? I, I, I looked it up okay. because, you know, when you started talking about banning books. Yeah. Um, it, it, the decision announced on the author's birthday, which schools have long celebrated. Yes. Dr. Right? Seuss Day. I went Could and read have, books. Me too. Could have big consequences for many classrooms. Dr. Seuss, who was born Theodore Seuss Geisel, mm-hmm. remains a beloved staple in the early reading can- canon, mm-hmm. despite growing concerns about racism and xenophobic topics embedded throughout his books written mm-hmm. for young kids. There's racism and xenophobic and xenophobia. Where are you, my mother? Is that is that racist? The six titles that will be pulled from oh. publication are, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street. Okay, if I ran the zoo, boat. Okay, Miguelitz Pool. Okay, on Beyond Zebra. Okay, scrambled eggs super. Never heard of that one. The, these are not his big titles. The Cat's Quizzer. No. Dr. Seuss Enterprises, which manages the author's legacy, released a statement saying that the books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Okay. If I ran the zoo's pretty big deal for Dr. Seuss. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of what's being portrayed in that book that would be wrong. Again, I I think it's in the, the lens that you're looking at it. If mm. you're looking for something that's going to be wrong, it's going to probably be wrong. Yep. I remember I was on a committee for church mm-hmm. and we used to put on steak dances and dances for people in that don't know anything about what they were. The LDS church puts on some really great youth dances mm-hmm. where if you want to send your kid to a youth dance, you know that it's going to be safe. There's not going to be drugs and alcohol there. That's monitored. There's standards. There's all of these things. Well, I sat on a committee with... A, a group of probably 15 or 20 of us and we would talk about monthly we'd have monthly meetings about these big youth dances that we were putting mm-hmm. on 
and there was always question about the kind of music we were playing you yeah. know is it is it the devil's music yeah. you know is the is the backbeat gonna you know cause some craziness right. you know and all of these things you know you got to be two book of mormons or two bibles <laughs> apart when you're dancing all of these things which i always found kind of funny yeah i'm not that person right i'm more of if they're if they're coming and they're willing to do the standards that we're asking them to do, which is wear a certain kind of clothes, which is a little bit above and beyond what it used to be. Now mm-hmm. I think things have changed. But mm-hmm. again, the point was when we were sitting in there, there was one woman mm-hmm. that no matter what we did, every single song, even, listen, our DJs were taking out all the bad words. Mm-hmm. She would find fault with every single thing that was happening. Sure. And it got frustrating no. because we were trying to do the best we can. It's very difficult. We're not trying to compete with society, but you want your kids to be at a place where you know they're safe. Right. And if you can have your 14 through 18-year-olds show up to a steak <laughs> dance where they're serving punch and cookies, mm-hmm. and they're all just kind of being goofy selves <laughs> yeah. with chaperones. Yeah. And everybody's dressed. And everyone's dressed. They're not (laughs) grinding on each other, right? Right. They're all doing just this wholesome thing. If you have a a swear word that's been taken out, but the kids could also just know that... They know it's there. That it's there. Yeah. We couldn't find any music without that happening. So we were doing the best we could. Mm -hmm. But it got to be ridiculous because she was really trying to prove a point. Mm -hmm. And the president... Um, the male counterpart to us, he brought out a, a se- section of words to the song and mm-hmm. he recited them. Okay. And he asked her, would this be a song that we would be able to play? Yeah. And she said, absolutely not. Okay. And that song came from the 1940s. <sighs> now, I don't remember the song. I don't remember anything. But when you take it out of context or you manipulate it, to be a certain way, you know, when you talk about like, baby, it's cold outside. Yeah. That was a song this last, last few Christmases that they were banning Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, state rape, date rape. (laughs) And it was misogynistic and it was controversial and, you know, forcing her to, to forcing her to do something she didn't want to do. Yeah. Come on. Right. The way you're dancing in the clubs and you're going to complain about this, <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I don't understand what's going on here. Yeah. But again, it all is the lens you're looking through. Yeah. Yeah. It's all to what you want to see. If you are, if you want to be horrified and mortified, you're going to find it. Right. For sure. I think if we had a parent of a teenager here, we might get better I guess maybe people who would have a reason to not let their kids read certain things. Would you ever not let your kids read something in school or watch something in school? Well, watch something. Oh, in school, no. He watched all of it. We were all made aware of. Like Schindler's List. They were showing Schindler's List at some point, And there were people who did not want that to be at seen. At your high school? Not at my high school. And I don't know if it was at the kids' high school or not. I just remember that hearing that and they did not want it to be seen. There's kids who mm-hmm. parents said it was too violent. It was too realistic. I don't know. It's a rough movie. I mean, I remember watching I it, watch it many times. I've seen it many times and it's, uh, it doesn't get any easier. But at the same time, it's like, well, what you, you don't, you want to just completely shy away from history. I'm sorry there were Nazis. Well, right. <laughs> sorry. There's still people like that in today's world. He may have been cleaning my carpet. He might have been. I don't know. Again, we have to, we have to just look at this from a, from a 
I think we have to look at it from a viewpoint that's larger than we can even comprehend. I think people need to start parenting. That's really what it boils down to. If my kid brings home, what, Amityville Horror? Okay, it's about it's about uh, demonic possession. That's against everything I believe in, A. I uh, don't think that's a good door to open, B. I think I would probably still let him read the book. The question would be, what are we reading it for? Right. Like, what is it? I mean, you have a teacher that is teaching with, you know, responsible teaching mm-hmm. where he's putting it out there so that there can be a conversation mm-hmm. so that there can be understanding of the time period of what's going on in this book really analyzing it getting people's viewpoints to me that's what we're lacking in society right exactly now. exactly it has sort of less to do with whether or not it makes me uncomfortable probably does and more to do with what can i learn from this i don't know i have a question for you tell me I was talking to a mutual friend of ours who's a librarian nice. and she was she was complaining a little bit about and I don't want to talk out of context on her behalf but it made me think about this but she was talking about how tablets have taken over books books mm-hmm. what do you think about that I prefer a book um, I've always preferred a book there's something about holding it turning the pages dog-earing a page, maybe making a note. The smell. The smell of a book is the greatest thing ever. You go into a bookstore, you go into a library, it smells really great. I love it. Now, I understand tablets and their use, and wow, I think the invention of tablets is amazing, especially for baby boomers who don't want to flip on and off their glasses. They can make that, you can make that print as long as you, as big as you want. That's why I'm only reading on tablets. Absolutely. I I get it. 15 books with me on vacation totally i can read at night without a light on or a book light attached to my deal because i can up light it from the behind i'm i'm all for whatever way you need to ingest that book do it so the controversy to me and after reading about it you know should tablets replace textbooks uh just as a cost-saving measure yes (laughs) <laughs> and a back-saving measure, yes. <laughs> well, and that's the question. Is it is a tablet? And, and when I was speaking to our friend, this librarian, mm-hmm. I think her, I would say her take on it was kind of somewhat of a disgust because kids have become so enthralled on tablets in general for so many things that don't have anything to do with education mm-hmm. that now you're putting them in one more spot. I mean, yeah. there's pros and cons. Right. You know, tablets help students learn more material faster it's true um my i'm listen my son is entering his final year in college and i can't i don't think i could count on one hand the amount of physical textbooks he's had that's awesome because that was one of the huge it's are they still having to buy them then in college yes so they still cost 150 dollars. oh you mean the tablet version Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, because there's an author who deserves the royalties from the but writing they that they did. To, but they didn't have to print that book. Right, but... Um, there should be a cost savings. There is, because some of those books were $400. Yeah, that's true. I mean, some of them were super expensive. But if, you know, if you're paying 100, 100 bucks for a book, 150 bucks for a book, I'm okay. That's sort of the cost of doing business of going to college. I, that's kind of okay. It does start to get really stupid when you're in the four and five hundred dollar range and i know there are books that are still still costing that much not in my son's area of study but yeah that's it's a cost savings in general but it's also just such a waste to have these college kids i agree buying these huge books and then you go to sell them back and a book that you paid two hundred dollars for you're getting 
eight bucks for? No way. I think K through 12 is the question. Are yeah. young kids, should young kids not have a book? I personally think that elementary school kids should only be re- reading on books. That would yeah. be my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just at a practical, hold it in your hands. Yeah. Re- put your finger across right. the page to follow the, you know, syllables across the page. To me, that's what it is. Another thing is the equity portion of this there's kids who can't afford a tablet no they can't there's school districts who don't have tablets that's right what are we doing here yeah i think our librarian friend is correct in that and i don't want to speak for her as you said but my guess is part of the problem is get them off that electronic device for two minutes when you can when you can nothing like handing them a book there's nothing like it i mean when they are young Mm -hmm. k through six or Mm -hmm. k through five Mm -hmm. I think they need to not be on a tablet. I agree. I agree. It's different as you get older. You have, supposedly, you have more control over yourself. Like, no, I'm putting my electronic device down and I'm going to go pick up a book. But um, when you're a little kid like that, just the exposure to that much electronics is probably not good. I think they they talk about eye issues yeah. and they talk about straining and they talk about, you know, texting yeah. back and all of these things because we're all staring at our tablets slash phone slash mm-hmm. wherever you're getting your information from and it could be bad. But I mean, it all brings up, I think, all of these things that we're talking about are really things for this generation. Mm-hmm. This is a new area of what do we do? It's a whole new concern that we didn't think we were going, no one could have guessed that no. all of a sudden we're, we're banning Dr. Seuss. What? But books have been banned or controversial since the beginning of time, yeah. I would imagine. In the 50s, yeah. we had, you know, people haven't changed that much. No. And we're yeah. just talking about it now. I mean, right. now we're publishing books about gay and lesbians or about transgender. That was going on yeah. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it because it was that dirty little secret no right. one talked about. Right. Now it's out and about. Is that good or bad? It, I can't say that it's bad. I don't either. What I, I wish I could like mount a real argument on it because I want to stand one way or another. But quite frankly, if there's books published about concepts that I am either not interested or not familiar with. Or don't do believe I, in. Or don't believe in. What right. do I care? I don't care. But... The exposure to children, I guess, is the question. When they're talking about banning books and you're looking at the statistics, it's parents who are initiating most of this. I think that's a conversation they need to have at home. Not, It's not a conversation that needs to spill into the public library. It's just not. What about public schools? I, you're paying your tax dollars. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, I, I know. You're paying your tax dollars and your school district is promoting a book there's a difference between promoting a book and having a book available in the library. Well, I would say promoting it would be discussing it and, and requiring it to be read. No, that I have a problem with. I want to know what that the happens. teacher is saying. Yeah, no, I get that. That part I get. That's different to me than but this I book is not. that's what we're talking about banning. I'm talking about these books are not available in schools. Some of these books are just not. They took them out of the school, period. I can't go to my little public school you know, high school or whatever and find this book in there in that library. There's two things to this. There's those books that are being not allowed anymore that were made a long time ago. There's books that are affecting certain subject matters Mm -hmm. that were old and new Mm -hmm. that we also don't want to see. There's books about racial issues Mm -hmm. that we don't want to shed light on. Right. Which is also something that I don't know if that is realistic or No, it's not. Now, 
in closing, we don't usually have a tag for ourselves no, when it's just no. you and I talking, but I do want, this will be my tag. I do. Okay. I just want to repeat part of Steven Spielberg's quote that I think is super important. He said, no film should be revised based on the lenses we are now either voluntarily or being forced to peer through. I like it. I love the where he says either voluntarily or being forced. Who's forcing us? American media. Exactly. I mean, truly. Government government we could go on and on but i just think that's that's it's such an accurate quote and um i thank steven spielberg for for going back on a decision that he made it takes guts sure absolutely but you know, he is steven spielberg so he has a luxury of doing that he does but he didn't have to no he did not he didn't have to he he realized he that it, it was a mistake and i'm really like that's feeling, a rabbit hole you don't want to go down no i'm feeling all kinds of good feelings for steven spielberg that i didn't know i had Agreed. so <laughs> so that does it for this edition of two average girls we're so glad you joined us today i'm ann police and i'm denise cooper we'll see you next time Episodes of Two Average Girls are free wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button on the Two Average Girls main page so you never have to go searching for new episodes. Our editor is Aiden Bloomstein. Our social media producer is Samantha Stone. And original music for Two Average Girls is by Jason Fries.